Hello, and welcome to Now Next, the podcast that explores your meaningful now and your meaningful next. My name is Mary Claire. I am one of the co-hosts for Now Next. And right now we're doing our summer series and we have a very special episode that is part of our Sustain the Flame event through the Center for Faith and Learning and Trinity Lutheran Seminary. And it's also our first, not just audio, but now visual podcast. So for me as an editor, it's gonna be very interesting editing because I can't do as many cuts as usual. So I can't stumble over my words as much and I'm nervous about it. But today we have a very special guest, one of my peers and coworkers, I guess. For the past couple of years, we've you know, worked on different projects through the Center for Faith and Learning a lot together. So Matthew Longfellow. Hey everybody, how you doing? It's great to be here. So yeah, as Mary Claire said, uh, my name is Matthew Longfellow. I'm a rising senior here at CAP studying film and media. So I'm uh, kind of within the program and I've worked with Center for Faith and Learning, working with them this summer. So excited to talk about how um, technology has connected uh, to some projects related to uh, faith and kind of storytelling as well that we've been involved in. Right before that though, I do want to highlight the space we're in right now. So you're either listening to it audio only or you're watching on the Center for Faith and Learning YouTube channel and we are in the new podcasting space. We're kind of showcasing it off um, because for Sustain the Flame next year, you sign up and you can come to campus for a couple of days and use this space. Um, I was just looking at the camera, so we're not going to worry <laughs> about that too much. But um, It's new. It's new. Yeah. So, hey, I, I was just reading a, a youth ministry book uh, about how we think all of our kids have sort of this, like, moth effect where they're, like, attracted to like screens and they look at screens more and that's really not true but may maybe that's how it works for adults I don't know yeah and that's why you keep looking um, in the viewfinder of the camera <laughs> but anyway so yeah I've had the opportunity to work with Mary Claire on a couple of uh projects kind of related to that we did uh in 2018 into 19 we did cap in the 60s mm -hmm. uh, which was a uh, about a 50 minute documentary on the history of uh cap during the 1960s mm -hmm. and then in 20 19 and a 20, we did Dear Miss Conrad, which was another, a little bit shorter documentary on um, Capitol during World War II. You first, when you came into Capitol in the 60s, and technically for uh, Dear Miss Conrad, you were history, and that experience brought you into the film realm, right? Yeah, well, so I had sort of toyed with being in a, a film and media major when I was in high school. I had come here and sat in couple classes. At that point, yeah, I was just thinking, I would, my, my plan was I was probably going to be a history teacher. Um, so social studies ed and Dr. Carlson, my advisor, um, knew I had some film interest and like, hey, this would be a cool thing for you to do as a history major. And I ended up doing this film stuff and I, I ended up liking the film kind of side of things. And um, I switched my major. Um, and uh, Actually, that was during COVID, um, which that's a good segue, I guess, to the next thing we're going to yeah. talk about. But, you got the questions. You're um, leading it, and I'm the host. Dang. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously when we're talking about faith and technology, you know, th there's churches that have always done live streams and stuff like that, but um, we sort of had trial by fire in this last year of, yeah. um, you know, a lot of churches and stuff went online um, including campus ministry. So uh, I guess we were probably kind of on different sides of that. I know you do a lot of music for Embrace, and mm -hmm. I was in a leadership role at that time. But 
I don't know, do you want to start talking about a little bit your experience? With yeah, when we went online yeah. because of COVID. Yeah, so that was like halfway through the second semester of my junior year. And I was like, I was president at that time, but I don't know, it was, it was so odd worshiping from my bedroom. And I remember the first candlelight that was virtual after that. I was like <laughs> rearranging all the furniture in my room and like doing a deep cleanse. So I felt like I had control over something that was changing and everything just wasn't just happening to me. And I remember just sobbing because we weren't together. And that kind of was a trend for the couple of weeks. But I think because we were all apart and like yearning for that collective community, we kept doing worship throughout the summer, like completely on Zoom where people recorded music. And that was something that like I clung to each week because it was a constant. It was a time when I could at least kind of interact with other people um, scheduled on Zoom instead of just isolating myself playing video games. And then when we came back to campus, it was just, it was not the senior year that I thought it would be. And it was, we couldn't sing during worship unless if you were leading and only one person could sing because of the way things spread. And it was, it was both cool because it united a lot of different people that wouldn't be able to go to worship all the time. Like my mom would tune in a lot with me when I was at home or just like different faculty all the time or just like people's like random relatives, but also was stinky because it wasn't the way that it was before. It was interesting to learn what worked and what didn't work. I mean, I think doing online services can be powerful at opening it up to people that can't be there. You know, one thing when we're talking about media and ministry a lot is a lot of times it's how can we use media, whether it's social media or whatever, to reach out to people. And almost mm -hmm. like younger people want social media contact versus in-person contact. But in my experience with ministry and some of the other works I'm involved in was we struggled a lot to connect with people, yeah. new people, exclusively online. So I think that's maybe a good lesson to ministry too is that um, – you know, some, if somebody wants what you're offering, they already know about it. Um, you know, social media, email, all that can be a great way to communicate announcements to them or whatever. But I think what draws people into a community is that more human element. Yeah, and I think it can be really hard to do that sort of advertising of a faith community without it making it appear like church propaganda and instead being like, this is who we are and we would love it for you to join. And it's a really fine line to try to, you know, toe that I think a lot of different churches are trying to figure out. And I know I'm just kind of skeptical. I'm, I judge a lot by a church's social media presence and like the different wording that they use or what they choose to highlight. And so knowing that, I'm like, how do we do this well? <laughs> how do we do it well so that people aren't jaded. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting struggle. But yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, community is a lot of time what, what, what draws people. You know, once you're in an environment, you learn and you grow from that environment. But it's, it's the community that draws you in. So how do you, how do you do that online? And I think maybe the lesson to be learned here is that it's, it's sort of a supplementary relationship that you, you should use sort of in person and online together. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you should never replace in-person stuff with online because that's Unless where that Unless if there's a pandemic well, it, and you yeah, can't yeah. be in person. <laughs> I mean, we had to do that. But, yeah. um, but at the same time, the online can be a powerful tool of, you know, hey, you know, the service is online and I'm sick this week, so I don't want to go to church, but I can still catch the service online. Or, yeah. um, you know, I can get the announcements online or, or whatever. So I think or I'm that, like out of town on a soccer tournament, mm-hmm. but I can you know, tune in on my phone, even though my kid's kicking the ball around or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I think it, for, for people, especially people that are already in that environment, it can, um, it can really enhance their experience. I think that can be an appealing thing for new people joining just what we learned that it's hard to actually give them that first introduction in a digital space. Maybe we'll get better at that. I don't know, but, uh, definitely something to be studied in classes going forward and things like that. Yeah. So, I know that you watched, um, oh, shoot, what is it called? The Social Dilemma. Yeah, We've both seen that. And that also, for viewers or listeners, it's a, a documentary that's on Netflix kind of about the uh, grim sides, the bad sides of social media, and how it keeps our attention and how it can be used for really nefarious things. So I'm intrigued as to what's going to come out of that because I know for both of us, faith and media aren't two separate things. Like, they kind of influence each other. As a church, we, we have responsibility whenever we go to any environment. I think that's just another thing to keep in mind that, um, you know, just make sure we're putting stuff that's sort of true out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's an interesting sort of double-edged sword, too, if, you know, we talk about these algorithms, or maybe not double-edged sword, but kind of dilemma with these algorithms of, like, on the one hand, there's definitely some kind of shady things of how these algorithms kind of addict people to things. But on the other hand, it's like, if this is the way the world markets now. Do we need to kind of engage in this? So, um, but no, that documentary definitely, I think, was a good thing. And um, to look at, I don't know if you ever went on the website associated with that documentary, I but did they not. they have a lot of. Um, like tools and things out there. They recommend, there's this app I use for my news called All Sides. Um, and what, and this is a nonprofit, and they, they rate different news outlets based on sort of their bias. So anytime there's a story, they put three articles. They put one from the right, one from the center, one from the left. Hmm. So um, there's there's definitely we'll tools We'll be linking like that. that in the description, so yeah, no, <laughs> you, you all should, can see it. Um, Definitely check that out. I've been probably about two months ago. I installed that, and it's. I feel like I can be informed and not leave being informed, feeling like, sort of like an emotional, like it just tried to rile me up kind of reaction. Did you take religion and film? I'm not sure I did. Oh, that was a that was a really interesting class. I think that is when I really started viewing religion differently because religion is meaning making, basically. And so I remember I like wrote a paper about Parks and Rec and I did a project about Clueless and finding the deeper meaning to the things that we watch. And so I find that even if that meaning is very easily transferable to like a secular context or like that meaning would still be really impactful to a more secular person, I still find God in that. Like... Parks and Recreation's um, wonderful way that it captures 
friendships and overcoming things and supporting each other and that kind of authenticity you feel when you watch it, I think is reflective of God and like that goodness is a bit of God in the world even though I'm just sitting on my bed watching it on my computer. But yeah, it's a really, we watched a lot of Westerns though. I don't like Westerns, but. (laughs) Well, I've always heard, I've not seen a lot of Westerns, but I've always heard that Westerns have very clear identities of sort of who's the the good guy and the bad guy. You know, there's a lot of kind of spiritual themes in there. But I don't think that it is that clear cut as a Western makes it seem of the good and the bad. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. It's, It's just, I've always thought it's interesting when film series kind of have a religious element, especially when you get into kind of fantasy realms when there is that. Yeah. Um, I've always, I would say I'm something of a Star Wars fan. I've always thought it's interesting in there how, um, you know, there's you could definitely put some religious symbolism into, you know, how there's, you know, the Force and, you know, definitely that there's, there's some spiritual things there. Um, I think there's other, other series like that. Or even like Avatar The Last Airbender, the spirituality component is a huge part of it, especially for airbenders and, you know, the main character, Aang. And not only are you being entertained, but you're also learning about other religions and kind of seeing, like, we're both Christians, but, Mm -hmm. like, seeing some of that overlap is really interesting because the way they wrote it, like, a lot of it is rooted in actual, like, Eastern religions, especially the airbenders, um, are, like, based off of monks in Tibet. So it's just, ah, film is so interesting. Storytelling is so interesting, especially since the Bible is just a collection of a bunch of stories. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, ministry is storytelling to some extent. Yeah. Um, especially when you're thinking of youth ministry, we're really trying to get these stories in the minds of youth so they can relate to them and learn from them. Um, so when you're using something like media, which is a definitely a story or should be a storytelling platform, I think that that's, that's where that powerful connection is, is how can we, not how does media become the church, but how does the church use media? Or like how does media enhance? I mean, you look at the early days of Christianity, a lot of the stories were in the, the oral tradition. Um, you know, you would have been told these stories, but then, you know, you look at the Middle Ages, you get the printing press and the Gutenberg Bible and that kind of stuff, and then you, you can read this stuff, and now it's just another iteration of sort of, you know, we have, uh, we have plays that show these things. We, we have, have Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah, have, which mm-hmm. I nerd out about, even though it's a little, it's a little blasphemous, it's a little heretical, but I, I love it because it, you can connect with the way that they've portray Jesus because they really highlight the humanity side of him and yeah I think that's so important especially for everyone but even if we're talking about youth ministry for teenagers to be able to see themselves in the characters in the bible whether they're the good guys or the bad guys because we have a little bit of both of that in Mm -hmm. us because it keeps us 
in check, but also gives us something to aspire to. And that storytelling helps with that instead of making it this like cold, impersonal, ancient text that's been translated a lot that because of that is kind of hard to decipher what the meaning is unless if you spend a lot of time reading it over and over again and then connect back like a little puzzle to see what they're referencing from earlier. And I think also just like teaching kids or anyone how to develop that skill almost if especially if it's like a nerdier group of kids mm -hmm. like it's almost like you're building this lore or this whole world that has different callbacks almost like you know like the marvel universe or something like that where you build upon all of this knowledge so that you can recognize the signs later and it all kind of builds to something and I think a lot more people would read the Bible more or care about the Bible more if they approached it that way. It's framing that story for a new generation with new with the new technology that, that God has given us. I know for me, what I found really interesting and fascinating is there are so many of my projects that I went in not with the goal to make it about God, but somehow God seeped into a lot of the projects that I did throughout college organically. That was just part of the stories that I ended up capturing. And when God did appear, it made the work a lot more meaningful to me because it had this extra layer to it. And also in film, specifically that form of media, it's a highly collaborative process that kind of forces you to um, get along with people and to find people that have complementary strengths to you and form these little teams. And I think faith is that way too. Like you can do them both solo and create something really special. But I think for sustainability, both faith and media are team sports. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many conversations with some of my like film classmates that weren't about God, but the meaning that I got from it and like the vulnerability and the authenticity on set, like I knew God was there in that. And same with conversations with some of my friends from a faith context where we're not explicitly talking about God, like we're playing D&D, &D, but it's still a community of believers together, spending time with each other and fostering a friendship and the very essence of a friendship happening is God also. It's like the Holy Spirit kind of like hanging around too. Media's cool, I like it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely do too. And I think it'll be exciting to see where kind of these two things together can go in my life going forward. So. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, this has been our episode of the Now Next Summer series where we're just kind of free flowing some conversation. If you are interested in attending Sustain the Flame, if you are a rising high schooler or high school aged or will have just graduated 
in 2022, you are free to sign up for this free experience. Only cost is the cost of transportation. That'll be linked below as well as some of the other things we mentioned in this episode. Thank you so much for chatting, Matthew. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks to the generous Philip N. Knutson Endowment and Lutheran Campus Ministries. Now Next is brought to you by the Center for Faith and Learning at Capital University. Your co-hosts are Drew Tucker and Mary Claire Kunkel, as well as your producer. It's me, Mary Claire Kunkel. And our seaworthy theme music is brought to you by Shane Ivers. Thanks for listening.